So tell me, tell us, uh, tell us who you are, where you came from, what you do. Yeah, man. Uh, so, well, first of all, I, it's a big day for me. It's a big day. Is it? Yeah. I am on a podcast with Cassidy Geis's little brother. <laughs> it's an, it should be an honor then. It is. be that close to Cass. Yeah. Yeah. So Cassidy and I, uh, gosh, this is probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. Cassidy and I sang. I, I play guitar. We both sang uh, at a wedding together. Yeah. At the reception. We, we did a little duet. Are you serious? Seriously. Cass Seriously. sang? Have you ever heard her sing? I have, but I thought that was something that never happened. No, she's got a beautiful voice. She does have a beautiful Amazing voice. Amazing voice. Yeah, she does have a beautiful voice. Yeah, so we sang, uh, God, what's the name of the song? It's Amazing How You Could Speak Right to My Heart. Golly. I'm terrible with music, so. Uh, whatever the song is. Yeah, so Cassie and I did a song together. Yeah. That's the, that's that's super wild. Yeah. Did y'all grow up together? No, she's a child. <laughs> she's, I don't know, Cassie's like uh I don't know, three-ish years younger than me. Okay. I'm Burke. She's Ryder. Old high. Uh, old high. She's the, old high. The Wichita Falls High School. The. Yes. Oh, sorry. Apologies. Yeah. It was a real bummer, though, to go through school after her. Okay. Because her freshman year, she was varsity soccer yes. starter. Yeah. And varsity basketball starter. Yeah. You're Cassie's little brother. And then I came through, and it's like, hey, man, we'll find a spot for you to play basketball. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I was never. That's what I was known in basketball as, and that's a nightmare. And she yeah. quit basketball her freshman year. Okay. But she's a soccer rock star. Yeah, and that's how I met Cassidy. Is I'm okay. I, I'm anti soccer, not so much anymore. But at that time I was anti soccer, and through uh, some you know mutual friends that I have friends that play soccer. She's a soccer player, and everybody gets involved in whatever uh, First Baptist Church's big college group was at that time, yep, yep. and uh, Overflow or something like that. And uh, so yeah, so we got to know each other there, and uh, buddies for a season, and then life takes you different ways, but. Anyway, awesome. yeah, sang with Cassidy guys once. Yeah, she's yeah. a freak athlete. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Yeah, she used to wear me out. No doubt. I believe it. I believe it. She used to set me up like 20 yards away from her and our, against a wall. Okay. And she would try to score on me. And she's kicking <laughs> as hard as she could. Kick it at your face. Yeah. She yeah. wasn't even trying to score. Yeah, no. Not she was trying, trying to, to hurt me. Yeah. She's trying to destroy brother. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I feel, this is kind of a strange deal because I feel like I know you so well, right? This is like the third time we've yeah. encountered each other today. Yeah. But I feel like I know you so well, you don't know me at all because I've listened to whatever this is, podcast number 400 or something. I, don't, I have no idea. Uh, I've, listened, I've listened to all of them. So I appreciate I that. I know everything about Logan. And it's, you know, it's weird though. I feel like uh, somebody asked who's going to be on the podcast and said it was going to be you today. And uh, it was funny because they're like, I just felt like, I feel like I know you. Though. I really do. Because they asked like, well, what does he do? And I was like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. And I had no. I mean, I just don't. I don't know a lot about you, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. No, it's going to be good. I'm. I'm excited about this talk, and uh, hopefully, we can have a good, good discussion for yeah. a bit, man. Yeah. yeah. So you're from here. I am a. a I'm, I told you a while ago, man. I'm from God's country, Burke Burnett, America. <laughs> lifelong, lifelong. Grew up here. Uh, my parents. We skated off to Houston for six months when mm-hmm. I was really young, and we're not big city people, right? So came back, hooked them back home as quick as we could, and uh, bulldog through and through. Went to MSU and had great designs on leaving and uh, doing something different. Uh, but opportunities just kind of hit here again, again, again. Yeah, right here in Wichita Falls. So I'm a I'm a local forever. Don't don't ever plan on leaving. It's a good place. I love it, man. Great people. What I always say is, you get the small town feel with a whole lot of amenities. 
And man, we're two hours from the world because you can go to Oklahoma city. You can go to Dallas, hop on an airplane and anywhere you want to go. So yeah, I love it here. Great opportunity to grow a business, raise a family and all those good kind of things. Yeah. We tried to leave a lot. Okay. Uh, Kate and I first got married. We were going to go plant a church in Colorado. I was like, well, I can take design works anywhere. Technically Mm -hmm. I can do just a wing there. And, uh, now that we just had a, uh, a sweet baby girl, I'm so glad we stayed. No. Like, it's the best time yeah. ever to be here. And then also we have like a thousand people that can kind of help us raise a child. So. so is Katie's family from here too? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we've been here both our whole lives. Great. I don't think ever, I don't think she's ever lived anywhere else and I haven't either. Right. So you got babysitters when that time comes. I don't know yep. if y'all have done that yet. If y'all have. We're already ready. Yeah. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I'm already ready. Yeah. We did daycare for the first time this week. Oh. On, on Monday, and it was a uh, it was a cry fest. Yeah, I didn't cry; I just laughed. Not that's for how the baby. I, that, that's how I uh, uh, cope with things. And then I got sure. in the car and got a little bit. Yeah. It's just weird. You're trusting someone else with your child. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So yeah, it's been a it's been a weird week. But I love I love the city. Yeah, sure. I think it's uh. So what what do you do for a living? What pays your do? bills? No doubt, man. I help people attain their dreams. That's what I say. Cause I like that. that was a good because, sell. Because if I say I sell insurance, everybody sells insurance, man. I like that. But here's how I view it, okay? We specialize in a couple things at Bully Featherson Insurance. I've been there for a little over, right, right at a decade anyway. Cool. Fortunate enough to be a partner there and growing a really cool team. We're, are, uh, we're in this big transitionary phase, and, and we'll get into more of that here in a bit. But um, we specialize in oil and gas insurance and construction insurance and surety, contract surety. And what we like to say we do is our job is to protect people's balance sheets so they can go do what they do best and attain their dreams, reach what they do. And so, so our job is to just help them create the foundation of their company so that when the unthinkable happens, right, and it happens, when the unthinkable happens, yep. they can look to their insurance company and say, I need help. And we can be there to help protect their balance sheet and help them grow their company. We love it. We're passionate about it. How'd you get into it? Oh, man. By accident. <laughs> totally <laughs> and completely by accident. So I was a lender at First Bank here in Wichita Falls. Great bank. Love that place. And uh, uh, they should probably sponsor your podcast since I gave them a name drop now. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's great We'll idea. just charge them either way. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. So worked there. Thought I was going to be there forever. You know, I had a great career there. And I grew up swimming in Steve Burleson's swimming pool. Steve is our current principal owner of Bully Featherston. And so I grew up with his daughters, and I drank a lot of Dr. Pepper and ate a lot of cheese balls at Steve's house. And Steve Steve came to me back in 2005, and he said, Josh, my partners are getting older. Uh, I need help to perpetuate the agency. I think you're the guy to help me do that. And I said, okay, let's talk about it. He said, no, no, uh, not now. Uh, They're not ready to retire yet. And so I told him then, I said, man, we don't have much to talk about then, do we? So three years later, he comes back to me. Of course, by then, I'm a little more entrenched in the bank at that time in, in three years. And it took us, a, you know, it was a little harder conversation at that time, but best decision uh, professionally in any way that I've ever made. Cool. Uh, no doubt. So, yeah, kind of by accident, uh, you know, like I said. And then he didn't pay me for like four years because I had to pay him back for the Dr. Peppers and cheese balls. But, yeah. uh, but no, love it, man. It's, uh, it's home for life. Cool. For sure. So he brought you in. You're younger. Younger. You're someone that can yeah, help. So I was 28 when I came in. And uh, my job was to learn a business and go uh, go right. I, I specialized at that time almost wholly in oil and gas. So okay. I went and wrote 
uh, a ton of oil and gas business. And we had a deal, right? Uh, and Steve Burley, he's a man of his word. And uh, he said, you go do this and you go succeed and learn this business. You're going to have a great opportunity here long term. So, so that's what I did. I went and busted it. And uh, after, gosh, man, uh, I think like uh, six years, uh, I got the opportunity to become a partner of the company. And we've been running at it since then. That's not that long. No. I'm sure it feels like it when it's when you're rolling through it, but six years is pretty quick. Yeah, six years is quick. Um, of course, then responsibilities start getting thrown on you that you're like, you know, who, yep. who am I, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, but try to be aggressive about taking it on and and growing and yeah. Uh, my one of my favorite things about working there is so you got this side that you're trying to uh, you're you're part of all these people's businesses and you're you're helping them grow their companies. And then you look around the office and you think about how everything I do impacts each one of these families, man, and mm. how they can get a paycheck and they can go home and yep. uh, feed their kids and entertain and, and grow what they're going to do in their houses. And, man, it just fuels me to, uh, to kind of be, be, be a part of something bigger than me. Yeah. Right? Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So think about So 28, you make a move. That's a grown man move, too. It was like, a jump. That's a big. So when you were 28, did you feel like, were you like real confident in business? Like. I've been sold on myself, Logan, since I was like four. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of exude uh, like a really. Oversold. Humble confidence. Man. Um, you seem like you know who you are. As I love that you say that. So uh, uh, I got the best parents on the planet. Cool. Right. I'm, and I'm, I'm 38 years old and I'm like, you know. Uh, are you still supposed to talk about how great your parents are? I don't know, but I do. Yeah, you should. I do. And uh, so my dad uh, stopped me I don't know, a few weeks ago, and, and he said, hey, your mom and I have been, have been talking about how um, maybe, uh, and, and I, I'm almost hesitant to say this because you, you talk about the, the, the humble confidence, but he's like, so the success that, that you've had, maybe we haven't made a big enough deal of it because we preach humility in our family. Uh, and I'm like, heck, Dad, I mean, I— okay. Right. I mean, uh, I just try to work hard every day. You know, yeah. I got, uh, I have a family to feed. Uh, yeah. I have some goals, right. The things I want to make an impact on in my life. And so I, yeah, just go bust it. But I think that I'm 38 and I'm like, I, I, I still feel like I'm 18. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, at least I want to be, my wife was giving me a hard time. Uh, she said, now, now look, you're going on a podcast with this guy. Uh, that's younger than you. And she said, you've got to be really careful about, and I'm giving the Amy shout out here, um, but she said, you've got to be so careful about trying to sound like you're still the cool young guy. <laughs> she, and she's like, Josh, you're almost 40. You're pushing 40. Uh, don't try to, to be or sound too cool. And I, but here yeah. I am, man. No, you, you exude that, man. I think, I, I think the, and the reason I asked that question is, so I've been here, so I'm 28. I've, I've been a decade on you. I know, but you don't seem like it. So I I kind of, we joke. I always tell Jared that I'm one of the most humble people I know. Um, Because when you say that, it's proof that you're probably not humble. Um, But I have a lot of confidence in who I am and good self-awareness. But it's funny because like over the last few years, I've realized, one, that confidence is important. Because it's easy for people that work here, we have a lot of young people that work here, to walk into a board meeting with 40-year-olds and feel like they don't belong. It's like, hey, you do belong. You bring to the table. But I'm also learning that I'm in this marathon, you know, that in 10, 20 years, I'm still going to be going. And like, so like having that teachability 
uh, while being confident is something that I'm trying to like, because that's something that's really important to me. I'm, I don't think I'm smart. I never think I'm the, I'm never the smartest person in a room, like ever. I'm, I'm, I mean, just book smart, like, but I, I can learn. And so that's like, when I think about somebody making like a move like that at 28, like that's a big, I mean, you seem like you had a pretty good career going to the bank. You know, I did. And I think at the end of the day, what it was about is controlling my own destiny. Hmm. And it's a great career at what I did at the bank. I loved it there, loved the people, loved the, the customers, the clients. But in the banking world, I mean, at the end of the day, I had a salary. Yeah. Um, and when you work in a commission-based world, uh, you eat what you kill, man. And it's there's something neat about having uh, your success based on what you have the ability to go and do. Yep. And it pushes you so hard, so yep. hard. So I, I love it. It's kind of It was kind of scary at first, right? And that's one thing Steve and I talked about is, hey, I've got some comfort here yeah. in, in, in what I do. I know I can make my house payment. Yeah. And he told me, he said, Josh, he said, Get, give it about six months. He said, I, I, I think I know what you're going to have the ability to do. you got to come prove it. And he was really, really clear with me that, uh, hey, you're not, you're not walking into a, you know, a bed of feathers to fall on. You've yeah. you got to go do it. Uh, but he said, I think you can do it. And he said, you're going to look back and say, the world where you, uh, you thrive on your own uh, is so powerful, yeah. so powerful. It's empowering. It is. I, I want to just, like, rip this part out already and just, like, send it to some people because so – I'm going to, I'll extend the range. So it doesn't sound like I'm calling specific people out, but I would say in the last two years, um, I've interviewed tons of people and a lot of the roles that we're starting people out at that could grow into something huge, like a principal part, part of what we do. Um, they would have to take a pay cut or they would have to do something different. And a lot of these people coming out of college refuse to, they don't see the career path. They see like the immediate. And so, you know, Caitlin came in, Caitlin took a huge pay cut coming. No doubt. Yeah. Huge pay cut. You know, she had a great career in Austin. She great. You know, she wanted to come back here, but even she could have gone and worked in a lot of other places here. Mm-hmm. She took a huge pay cut, trusted, and has grown. And she'll grow as far as she wants to. Mm-hmm. She's good at her job. Mm-hmm. And so it's been funny to sit in there with my dad and then interview someone. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, well, I'm not leaving for anything less than this. It's like, well, it's just it's it's a weird thing. And when my dad started this company, he moved from so he was selling copiers. And he was like the manager of the sales team was making like a lot of money. And he took more than a 50% pay cut wow. to come work at an agency that he ended up buying and, and turning into his own. And so, I don't know, I'm always intrigued by, uh, it's hard when you got bills to pay and you're, you're paycheck to paycheck, taking a pay cut's not possible, but there's so, a lot of benefit. in. So give me an idea as to the age ranges these people you're, you're talking about. Um, like at our agency or like hiring? Well, the people you're talking about hiring that are like, no, 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 I can't take a pay cut. You ready for this? Absolutely. Like 19. Okay. To like 28, 30. So on the older end of that spectrum is where I'm kind of shocked. Yeah. And the reason I say that is everything I read is that the, uh, the millennial population is more about experience, Mm -hmm. right? And more about, uh, what I, what I think design works is about is, Hey, we're going to come in and bust it. You know, don't get me wrong. But we're gonna have a blast at what we do here, yeah. and that's just that's the feel I get from DesignWorks, yeah. and so that surprises me that you say that that somebody that is twenty eight years old uh, can that's into this game, yeah, 
would say, uh, I, I can't do that because they've got to love it. When they see the people here having a blast at what they do, yeah. I would think that'd sell. So that surprises me a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it just kind of depends. Some people moving back or, or doing different stuff. But, yeah, it's um, people don't want to make a lateral move or even take steps back to get into a lane they could go further. It's, I mean, it's temporary satisfaction. Sure. And I think what I've learned, too, and to have grace on those people, is that a lot of people are literally, like, in debt. And that's all they care about at this point is trying to get some kind of rhythm or make money. You're going to get me on a Dave Ramsey soapbox, man. Man. If some people were just cleared up, like they could come in here and and make as much money as they want. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of a vibe we've also tried to create is obviously we want to make more money and that's part of business. But that's never been our our motivation. Sure. Because money is so fickle and it just, it comes and it goes. And especially in our industry, you know, the economy changes. We want to be, we don't want to have to just lay off the whole agency. You know, no doubt. But yeah, that's it's. I, I just think about when people make career moves at twenty eight that are terrifying. Let's come full circle. If you don't want to lay all those people off, grow a good balance sheet. Yeah, great. We won't have to turn this into a financial podcast. Oh, yeah. but grow a good balance sheet, man. And then when that tough time comes, you weather the storm so yeah. much better than somebody that's just its owners sucking their money out of the company yeah. every year. That's been the coolest thing to watch. Like look back on taking on operations stuff here and watch my dad. Like he's just so he was so good at that for so long. Mm-hmm. He never did a mass layoff. Like he he just always knew their season's coming. Mm-hmm. Let's lay this out. And uh, yeah, it's it's really impressive. That's great. Everything I thought my dad was doing wrong as I was coming through this, I'd be like, is there a better way? Maybe, uh, probably. But he, he clearly knows what he's doing. So, Sammy, mm-hmm. dad's business partner. Yep. So I remember growing up, uh, one of my my dad's best friends is a guy named David Nix, who who I'm mm-hmm. sure you know well. I do. And so I, I think it was on Fridays. For, I mean, this is forever ago, man. This is uh, 30 years ago-ish, maybe. Okay. How long has DesignWorks been in business? 36 years. Okay. So this is probably 30 years ago. The Plex had opened. And I think it's on Fridays. And my dad and David Nix uh, would play putt-putt. Uh, against Sammy and a guy named Jason Martin. And Jason worked for uh, David's law firm he was at at that time. And Jason and Sammy were the young guys. They're ripped, man. And uh, they could not beat, could not, could not beat my dad and David. And the Plex was actually closed at the time. And uh, they're like not open for the day yet. And so they'd let these guys in, cook them all for a hot dog, and let them go play. And, I, I mean, of course, my dad might be embellishing, but uh, not once ever uh, did Sammy and Jason, we'll have to find out. the uber-competitive guys, uh, beat the golfer guys. And uh, the story goes one time that, that Jason uh, just lost it, like on number 12, the horseshoe hole. And uh, I remember that hole. His putter ends up uh, in the middle of Southwest Parkway. Uh, because he, I mean, he just, just flung it, you know, and Sammy had to finish by himself, uh, because his, his partner, you know, threw the putter, threw the ball, bailed and Sammy had to play by himself the rest of the way in. But, but yeah, they say never won. So, so I've known who I Sammy is like my entire life, basically. That's wild. Yeah. I can't wait to ask him. Yeah. I'm like you never won. Yeah. I couldn't win. I'm sure I will almost guarantee you that story is different on his end. There's no doubt his story will be different. Story's no different. doubt whatsoever. Yeah. So you are running the company, working your way up in the company? Yeah, so we have three partners at Bully Featherston. Okay. 
and the senior partner Steve Burleson, uh, his brother Scott Burleson, who if you saw him or heard them on the phone, you're like, man, they're twins. No doubt they're twins. Sound like the same human, but they're 11 years apart in age. It's crazy. Cool. And then me. So, so we're the three owners. And uh, just in this cool, exciting time of growing the company from the prior generation of partners that all retired, gosh, man, now about eight-ish years ago or so. Cool. And uh, off and running and uh, trying to grow something special. What's the hardest thing or what's been the hardest thing about transitioning? Oh, good question. Good question. Or just or just any of I mean, you don't have to pick one, but, like, what's what are some of those those challenges? Yeah, so so – Learning Steve, Steve's whole focus in his career was bust it, go sell it, and his focus was growing the biggest book of business he could, hmm. right? And our team kind of takes over leadership of the company, and and we're good at selling, right? We're we're good at going out, developing revenue, bringing it in, and servicing that revenue. We're, we're that that's kind of what our forte, and. None of the three of us had the background in managing and nurturing and, mm. and um, sustaining a company, a business. Mm. And so we decided we kind of had some planning back in the 2012 time frame probably and decided that among the three of us that, that I was kind of best suited or knit for that. And so that's been one of my big tasks for the last six years is how do we uh, how do we we manage our company internally? How do we plan? How do we forecast? What's our strategy for where we're going over the next decade? So the learning curve has been so steep, man, so steep. Uh, but it's been a blast. I, I, I I'm challenged every day when I go to work. Yeah, and I think that's good. I'm I, I I don't have the luxury of ever getting complacent. Yeah. In, in what we do. So that's, that's been good. Uh, so that's been a big hurdle. But the, ne- the one of the other really neat things, and I don't know if neat's the right term, but one of the challenges we face is Steve is 63. I'm 38. And the, the, the way the industry is, is going to go in the balance of my career is different than the way the industry grew throughout Steve's career. Yep. And, so uh, the the way Steve and I will sit and plan uh, and and develop the model as to where we're going to go, there's really unique and different perspectives there. And and, and you know Steve, Steve sees doing things. Uh, I mean he's a, he's a he's a visionary kind of guy, but he's got this pool of here's the way it's always worked. Here's the way it's always worked. And probably you, you see the same thing here uh, with with senior leadership here that that. We've, we've built something special here. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we contrast that with, but what about this? But, but, but what about this generation? Yeah. And so it's one of the, it's one of the challenges we face in growing our company is how are we going to do things? We're going to, we're going to sell similar products forever, right? Yep. The product we sell is going to be, there's always something new that develops, but at the end of the day, we sell a similar product and always will, but it's that delivery method yep. that's going to change, mm-hmm. right? I was in a class, I don't know, four or five years ago when I heard someone say, the days of the insurance mercenary that says, show me what you want and I'll tell you what I'll sell it to you for 
are long gone. Mm. And it's all about added value. It's all about what is it that I can bring to the table? How do I differentiate myself from the next guy? You and I have talked, I think, one of the three times we've ever talked, we talked about that, that uh, I don't, I'm not a, uh, a subscriber to the policy of the customer is always right. Yep. And I say that and people stop in their tracks and they're like, mm, well, why? Well, what I think is if the customer is always right, if the customer always knows what they want, why in the world am I any better yep. than the next insurance guy down the street or the person you know behind them? And so that's what we believe at Bully Featherston is we have to provide value. We have to know something different than our insured knows so that we can add value to them and I come back full circle to to help them protect and grow their balance yep. sheet. We have to provide value that everybody else isn't providing. Yeah. So that's interesting you say the – I remember we talked about that, the uh, customer's always right. Right. Because for me, when I say it, it means like our posture towards them. But it's it, when you when we talked about that – I always try to like learn and, and like think through like, what does this look like we, when we get ourselves in trouble? Because we go one of two ways in our, our industry. We either provide the value um, that you're paying us for, or um, not that we don't provide value, but we allow the client to drive the ship so much that we're just kind of the hands on deck. And most of the time we crash. Um, and then either way, whether it was our idea or not, no one looks at us and just says like, oh, that was my fault. You know, we should, we should have drove the ship better. And that's something we're constantly trying to like get better at is, um, and be doing it tactfully. We've had people in the past that are just, they'll be like, you're an idiot. They're like, I, I mean, there's probably a better route uh, to doing that. But yeah, no, that's, that's incredibly true. I mean, if, if they're right, why would they need us? But isn't that the value that, that you have to bring here too in that, all of your clients could just go hire somebody to do what you do. Yep. Right. So they've got it. There's got to be value yep. in paying your company, not just the hourly rate, if you will, of, of the staff and the time, but the profit of, of this business. And yep. so it costs them more to use you. All right. Yeah. Um, depends. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. It just depends. I okay. mean, cause you, well, what our selling point would be most of the time is that you don't have to pay insurance um, and benefits to, to us, you know, that can be one. Um, also, instead of just paying for one person, you're paying for 17 um, and getting access to that. Get but, you know, you're right. You get into a certain point. We work with two people, two types of people. We work with um, the owners of businesses that don't want to have a marketing director and they want us to be it. And then we work with the marketing director to be their team. Okay. So it's kind of either way. Um, and a lot of our stuff we do for people provide value is commission-based in the sense that it was it's free to them. Like if we're placing media for somebody, you know, like we're, they're not getting upcharged. Mm-hmm. You know, we get commissioned by a station. Mm-hmm. So, so things like that. But yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean, and it's hard too. Like when they're having a board meeting, you could, pay, if you were paying somebody, they could be sitting in that board meeting with them. Right. They can see everything that's happening in the day to day. They can be in the store all the time. And so for us, that's not a hurdle, but it's something that we've got to constantly be in someone's, someone's pocket. And if it's a CEO, they don't want to communicate everything that's going on with us. No, but you know time. the questions to ask, right? To yeah. extract value. For sure. And and I think what we've learned in a 20-minute conversation with somebody, um, we can extract enough that somebody that's, you know, learning the job would take months. I mean, just because we're processing through it. And it's, I mean, the biggest benefit to us is come back to 15, 17 people. And you've got and 36 like, you years of wisdom. Yeah. And My dad's collect- a genius. Collectively, it's however many years, but... but 
place has been around for 36 years. Y'all, I mean, if there, if there's a way, if there's a way not to do it, y'all figure that out. Yeah. Right. And as soon as we, and then as soon as we figure it out, the whole industry changes, you know, <laughs> as soon as we get comfortable with something, it's just like, Oh, this is a whole new, you know, I've learned hurdle. so much listening to your podcast slogan about algorithms, mm. Instagram, Facebook algorithms. And it's a, uh, it's something that I, I hear the term and I get it, but I listen to you and Jared talk and it just, it, opens another world up uh, for me so it's been so neat to, to nerdery yeah that's what it is good yeah i mean it's just and, and the real key to it is just like i mean you, you don't learn unless you do it you know we i mean we might work ourselves out of a job at some point but i would rather that ceo learn as well because if they understand it they're going to help us make educated decisions they're going to educate what information we need to make educated decisions and so um yeah it's a whole nerd world and i'm not that guy typically um, but we always use the term day traders of attention. That's all we are. I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. You might be on Kemp street. Uh, we might send Jared out there and some underwear and a sign to dance around. If we thought that was a good ROI, we'd do we'd it. Go do it. We'd do it. But it's usually so, not. So our business is in a unique place. And this is why I love listening to some of the technical talks that, that you and Jared talk about. The decision makers in uh, our niche markets in the oil and gas world and in the in the construction world, the decision makers today aren't making their decisions on Facebook and Instagram. And we're pretty aware of that. But what we're what we're trying to be really cognizant of is we know in our in our industry that's coming. And and, and so we're gonna get up to the times with other industries where you, you're not going to close the deal. We, we don't think you're ever going to close the deal in what we do yeah, on yeah. Facebook. But but there's going to be the ability to influence decision makers uh, in, in time and in, in what we do on Facebook. And so that's one of the things that, that we've got to educate ourselves on and prepare for. It's why I love listening to your podcast uh, because we know that day's coming. And we're, we're not, we don't know when that is yet, yeah. uh, but we know that time's coming. If you look at our website, and I hesitate to say that where the world's going to hear it. Our website, man, is from 1926, yep. right? You've looked at it, I think. I think. And but when do we invest dollars in that? I know. And that's one of the big things that 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 when we talk about it in our planning sessions in our in our war room at the office, when when do we make that leap? When does that time come? And uh, we don't know when that is yet. Yeah. But I love listening to you and Jared talk because it it places me farther down the line than I would be otherwise when we make that leap. Yeah, I appreciate that. For sure. Thanks for listening. For sure. That's an interesting, the website game's weird because I mean, I'll sit in a meeting. So we used to spend, I don't know, six, eight months building the site. Let's say it would cost anywhere from 8,000 to 20,000, which is somewhere in there. Um, and obviously we did cheaper ones than that, but we'd custom build it, do all the stuff. And at that point I could even remember being like, man, this is a hard, hard ROI, like to hard to recoup this money. And so I will sit down with people now and be like, hey, we want you to spend less up front. We want you just to get something that's nice and then build onto it over time. So you're still going to spend money over time, but just spread the money out a little bit. Um, plus, you're going to let the users dictate what you change. What do they like? What are they not clicking on? Those kind of things. Um, and people, it, it's funny because people still are like, nah, we'd rather just wait, you know, until we get all the information in and spend way more money up front. Um, and so the, now that people are starting to change that mindset, they're getting a much better site long-term. 
because who knows? I have no idea what Apple's going to come out with in two years. Tomorrow. That you're, Yeah, that your website is now going to be obsolete again. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's that's always been the the struggle. Is I, I don't like guarantees in our world. Um, we don't sell plans. You can't buy like a a set social media plan that's going to be you know signed for a year because I don't know. I have no idea. And which is honestly why I love the game, is that it's just all day trading that. But yeah, websites are hard. You know, and plus we kind of think that websites will become a little less valuable over time because Google's going to try. This is just a complete theory. Google's going to try to give you the information before you get to the website. So your website's almost a tool to get the information out versus getting people to the site. So your 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 sell is to Google on your website. Yeah, for the most part, making yeah. sure that everything's. I mean, even ESPN. That was a site that I always used to talk about because like, that's the site I go to a lot. But if I'm looking up quick scores, it's faster for me to Google it or ask Siri. Ask Siri to get the we'll score real quick. And then look it up. Or even like I was looking up the Dallas Cowboys schedule earlier. And it, Google just laid it out. Like it didn't send me the DallasCowboys.com slash schedule. No. It said the schedule in Those Google. schedule. And so we think that's the future. And that your site's still going to – you still have to have one. you got to have a, a, a online real estate. you still got to own that. But we think that it's going to be more and more about how you're putting information out to search engines, Facebook, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. Now people, I mean – Maybe instead of spending all this money on features, maybe you're just making sure the information's correct and updated. I don't know. I remember Logan back at the bank years ago. I saw uh, the bank. The bank was going from its first website to I think its second website. I think that's when it was. And the proposal to to build website number two, uh, hold on to your chair, it was like forty five grand. Yep. To go there and. That, that world's so long gone because we had no clue back then that internet the internet was going to move at the pace it does today. And you think you're going to build something and it's your tool there for a decade. Yep. It's not the way it works. Nope. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, people always think they need like a custom thing. Or we need a, an app. And I think that you could leverage those things to make money, but it, you've got to really go all in. You know, we have a lot of people that would want an app. But like, why would you download an app? Like, that's another thing on my phone. I'd rather go to a mobile site. What value you providing in the app? Why would they download the app and then keep the app? And so all these people want to build these crazy features on their website. Um, and we just we think that it's about being agile more than it is building something that's rock solid and forever. I mean, our goal is every two years to redo ours. Uh, we'd like to do a year, but it'll probably be every two years. We're going to just revamp ours completely. I've never thought about that. Why, why do you want to have an app? And what that made me think about when you said that is... All right, how many apps do I've downloaded on my phone? And it's 4.2 million, right? <laughs> but how many apps do I really use? Yep. 10, right? Maybe. Yep. And so that, that's a great point is are you are you really going to be a differentiator with, with your app uh, so that people want to use it? What, what's the drive to use yeah. it? Yeah. There's always... I think a lot of people in like business and marketing always try to like project out what the future is going to look like. And a lot of times you can look at the data and say like, hey, we think trends are going to go this way. But I think the thing that catches me the most off guard is if one of the biggest social networks is Twitch. Have you heard of Twitch? I have no clue what Twitch is. Okay. You're, I've said that to four people this week and nobody's heard of it. Uh, but it's huge. And what it is, this is amazing. I can't wait to say this. It's a website where you can watch people live stream uh, as they're playing video games. Hold so on. so you watch Repeat. people, you watch people play video games. 
That's what you do. So are they, they're good gamers and they're teaching you how to succeed at a game? Nope. They're good gamers. Usually some are professional, some are making a lot of money. But you were watching them play Fortnite. You were watching them play a game of Madden. You were watching them play NBA 2K. Like that's what you're doing. They're playing the game online or whatever, and it's streaming their screen. Usually they're in the bottom corner. You can see their face as they play, and they're talking to the crowd or whatever. And obviously, some people try to. And you can it. monetize that so well. If people are, if 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 I'm just gonna sit on my phone and watch you play a game, do you know how many ads could pop up while I'm watching you play your game? I know. I mean, I'm never gonna be on Twitch. <laughs> uh, it's not for me. Yeah, but. Gosh, man! It's, I mean, it's, you've got it's, a captive audience. Yeah, and there's a couple of things in there that are different. Like, I think it's called like in real life, where you watch people. It's like a reality show where you see their kind of. But I mean, that's where we have a generation growing up that is on YouTube all the time, watching these celebrities that we've never heard of that are 13, 14, and fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know, there was that fight uh, two months ago. Have you heard of like Logan and Jake Paul? I thought you were going to ask me if I've heard of Conor McGregor. I know you've heard of that guy. <laughs> uh, but have you, um, have you heard of these guys? They're YouTubers. No. So they're huge YouTubers. I hadn't okay. really heard of them either. Um, kind of knew who they were. I'd seen, like, they used to be on Vine. Um, but they fought these two brothers from the UK. And they fought on YouTube, pay-per-view, and they did an ungodly amount of money. I mean, more than more they, than they most UFC fought fights. fought live on YouTube. Yeah, boxed, yeah. Wow. They like had a whole press tour and everything. They fought there. The main event was older brothers, and they, dr- they had a draw. And then they're coming back to fight here. Genius. Yeah. But um. <laughs> but yeah, they're not. I mean, and wow. they, it did more views than I guarantee you any boxing fights done this year. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. It's just a different. It's a different time. And so, the reason I say all that is that I try not to get too locked into what I think is going to happen because mm-hmm. the next generation's ushering in something completely different. Completely different. And I have. And I. Who am I? to know I can just react to what's coming. And, uh, and that's the thing that honestly our company's done good because of the top down, my dad and them know when they don't know and they'll find out who can, but they've always been able to, to adjust and change. They've so how do y'all decide when to pull a trigger on something? When the money's there. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. like we, I chased Hulu for three years, mm-hmm. but because of our size company and the budgets that we pull together, we just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But now you get local TV stations that have high up, um, you know, big budgets through their corporate, um, they can buy spaces and then we can buy from them. Okay. And so, yeah, we just, we're always chasing. As soon as I find something, I just, uh, I get obsessed with it. I learned it from Gary V, um, where I, I, I still do it like at least four times a week, but I'll go through the app store and download anything that like looks like it's, it's grown or, and then start trying to learn it. So the next social network, my goal would be before you even know about it, I'm active in it. So is this a reactionary business? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. To some degree, you know, I think sometimes. I mean, you're trying to be proactive in finding what's out there. Yeah. Right? But you're reacting what the market stands. Mm-hmm. Who cares if, I mean, sports are my favorite thing on earth. But if everybody stops watching sports, we're not going to market there. Sure. So, I mean, it's just constantly looking. And especially in smaller markets where most people, businesses get ripped off. Mm-hmm. Is that no one's really looking at the analytics. I just tell you, like, hey, listen. You definitely need to buy into this, and you're like, great. I and then there's no need reporting. To have six billboards. Yeah, to get as many billboards as you can. <laughs> Do that right now, and then I just justify it over and over again to yeah. you. You know, I'm like, well, how many people are driving down that street? Sure, thousands, man. Like, this is a great, you know. And then, but you never look at like, are you making money? At the end of the day, I can give you analytics for days, you and they can be great. It. But are you making money? 
Right. Is business going well? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're always looking mm-hmm. at. It's a weird Great. game, man. Great. And it's in some ways similar to what you guys do in the sense that I mean it's all it's B two B. All B two B. Um, I mean, you're it's just good customer service providing value and what's next? Right. How 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 are you gonna provide value in the future? Yeah, you're you it's it's being abreast of what guidance you can provide to your client, right? How you can educate your client on, hey, here's what's coming. And uh, how do you, in, in our world, it's how do you want to take that on? Yeah. How, how do, you, do you want to, you can, you can do a bunch of things with risk, okay? And that, that's what we do. We're managing risk, yep. okay? And so uh, you can ignore the risk and, you know, roll the dice. That's what going to Vegas is all about, okay? Yep. Uh, you can internalize the risk and say, all right, I know what's out there. I, I know what could happen to me but I think I'm going to progress anyway, okay? Uh, you can do things to try to mitigate some of your risk and, and do things a little differently so you don't have the same exposures. Uh, or you can transfer that risk to somebody else, and that's what ultimately we're in the business of is you want to transfer that risk to an insurance company. Uh, but we lay all those ideas out to our clients. And uh, hmm. what, what do you face that could hurt or destroy your balance sheet? And, and it's our job to help you understand what could happen to you and if you decide that you're going to proceed, do you want to transfer that risk to an insurance company? Hmm. And that's how we make money. Hmm. It's great business. Customer service, man. It's great business. No doubt. No doubt. One of the things, that, and another thing I love about listening to your podcast is I think millennials get this horrific rap, right? Just, mm-hmm. And I think probably every generation gets a horrific rap from yeah. the from the prior generation but we're in the the all information right now age and so millennials get the bad rap because everything is here right now okay yep. but i love listening to the podcast because you and jared think so different than i do y'all think so differently mm. and everybody i'm hiring they're they're your age right and so we're in this we're in this phase of what applicants are out there? Well, they're millennials is, is who's out there, and they think differently. So I learned from you and Jared uh, to think a little bit more like a millennial and think about who the people I'm interviewing, how they think, right? But the other big thing is I've heard somebody say this in the past, that the best thing about the millennial generation is there's only two kinds of millennials, and they're either the kind that are like you and Jared and a lot of people you all have on staff here that are coming to bust it and they succeed. Yep. Or they're awful, yep. and they let you know it like day two. Yep. Right, and you say, "Hey, we got to part ways because you're you're not good." Yeah. Right. Have you experienced that? One hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, we used to joke about. Like, I don't. I don't identify as a millennial. <laughs> like I used to always like. I don't. I don't think I am. Yeah. Um, and honestly, everything about my life should lean in that the latter direction. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a middle class home. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that that makes you anything, but like. You know, I wasn't good at school, hated school, avoided school. Um, I mean, I'm about as privileged in a lot of areas as I could get. But for some reason, there was something in me that was hungry. My dad enabled that, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I, I just ref- – I think a lot of it was working for my dad. I refused for anybody in here to believe that I was here because yeah. of him. Or I kept it. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to prove this differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we, we bring people in that I – I always say I believe one of my spiritual gifts is discernment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't take a long time, I feel like, to know, like, hey, I think this is going to go. And I've been surprised a couple times. But we know I hired Caitlin before I met her. Mm-hmm. Talked her on the phone twice. I was like, "Yep, this is this is easy." She's a rock star. Yeah, this is easy. 
Um, but we have people come in that I'm very quickly, I'm like, oh no, you know, you're mm-hmm. not. We've had the same thing in the office. Hungry at all. Yeah. Does it, does it demoralize you when you miss? How's that make you feel? Yeah. I mean, not, not anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that we're, to be honest with like my failure is I just, I see the good in people and that, Mm -hmm. I don't mean that like in a good way. Like I overextend it to the point that it hurts the business. Mm -hmm. And I, if I could just cut people's heads off quicker, it would be better for them because they could learn from it and be better for us. But I'll hold someone's hand and, and run it down too long. And so that's, that's gotten better this year, but that's a huge fault of mine. So in my six years of hiring people at Bully Featherston, I have completely swung and missed twice. Hmm. I just, just missed man. And both times thought they were going to be, fun. they were great people, right? Yeah. And, and that's where, where you got to be careful. I see the good in people. I can talk to a brick wall and have the best conversation that you've ever had. And I thought they're going to be amazing. And the first one we kept way too long, right? And so they cost us too much money before we agreed to cut ties. Yeah. And we did a little better the second time as we still missed on hiring the person, uh, yep. but, but we didn't let it go too long the, yeah. the second time for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's hard for me. Like we even, I mean, this morning uh, we came in and sat down and talked to the team and, you know, like I like, I like even read some scriptures this morning and talked to them. Like they become family to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've learned, which is the hard truth, is that sometimes like enabling family isn't good for them. And so it's easier to be like, hey, you're, I still love you. You're still family. You're still going to be family here. Yeah. And that's that's been better for people yeah. once they get out and they learn yeah. like, oh, I get what you said now. Um, you read the book called Boundaries. You're I've, not a book reader, as I've learned from the podcast. I, like but I have, I have read it. Have you? Uh, okay. Ronnie Whitfield made me read it. Okay, okay. It's got the, like a little uh, squiggle on it. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So that family thing and enabling people is tough. You got to be so careful about being an enabler. Yep. Uh, and saying no. That's another thing that I'm not good at. Okay. I will say yes to everything. Okay. Like if you you ask me to do something right now, I'll just be like uh, sure. I'm in. Let's and go. Then, and it's a problem. So I'm yeah. learning, like especially now, my time limited. Mm-hmm. You know, having a kid, it's like when you waste my time, you're taking time away from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so balancing that. But I think one of the best resources I can give people is time. I just sit down talking to them. Uh, but learning that balance is hard. Cause I'll, the, I'll, I'll move everybody. Like it's I'll go the get only it. thing you have, Logan, that is finite. Yep. Right? It, it is the only thing that 100% for sure, you got 24 of those hours every day. That's it. That's all you got. That's it. That's all you got, man. And that's what, I mean, that's how Uber makes money. They save time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what a lot of this stuff is, is people sell time. They think they sell another product, but they're a convenience. And so, I mean, that's why now, I was in a meeting the other day talking with a company. People pay. Do you get food delivered to you? Not pizza. No. A little that's tougher a, living in Burke, right? Is there, there, they'll come to Burke. Yeah, I'm sure it's expensive. Yeah, it's ex- it's it's a big surcharge, and but I think you pay. Some food's people, gonna be cold. <laughs> people pay like six bucks to have fast food delivered to them. Yeah. And to McDonald's. me, I'm like, you just doubled it. Yeah, and that that like that almost that's where I started feeling old in a moment, because like, yeah, we do it all the time. I'm like, yeah. for what? You just paid twelve dollars for your Big Mac, man. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. But people, it's convenient. They didn't have to get off the couch. Yeah, they keep playing their game. Uh-huh. And the, I mean, and I'm sure that sounds appeasing to me at times, uh, but that's what people pay for is convenience. No doubt. And I get it. I get it. We're all just chasing that. Sure. Time, time's the money. So Amy gives me a hard time sometimes about being like way, way too big of a planner on kind of the, uh, the, the financial structure of, of our household. And 
that convenience thing we miss out on sometimes, right? Because we're, and, and I've got her trained pretty well too. Although I probably get in trouble for saying that I've trained her on anything Yeah. because you I mean, let, let's be, let's be real. Truth be told, truth be told, our, our wives have trained us really, really well. Yeah. Right? You know, it's done real well when you don't think that you have been trained. That's when they've trained you really well. Oh, yeah, I'm in charge. It takes you years, and you're like, oh, No, I I, I run my household, yeah. No, no, Logan. I I run it as much as she lets me. Yeah, that's exactly the truth, for sure. I would never tell her that. She doesn't listen to the podcast. No, but she does, probably. Maybe. Hers. (laughs) Hers, yeah. So, uh, but I've got to be careful about the the convenience thing, right? Because I, I always struggle on this fence of when is it okay to pay up for convenience? Uh, because you can go so far overboard with that, man. Yep. You can just dive head first into going broke. Yep. But there's some great things. Technology affords us some amazing conveniences uh, yep. in, in today's world. You know what might have saved my marriage when it comes to finance stuff was we went to a counselor. And she said this, and it like changed my whole view of how Katie spends and how I spend. And I don't know if this is true for you, so I'll be interested. But she said that we guys and girls, men and women, spend differently. And so Katie buys a whole lot more things than me, like a whole lot more, like in terms of quantity of purchase, mm-hmm. you know, getting your nails done, clothing, accessories. Like I don't really need any of that stuff. I'll just go to Ross. And so she, in quantity, out buys me quadruple. But she said that men usually are trying to master things, whether it be a video game, fishing, hunting, sports. And so their purchases are usually bigger. No doubt. And that's what it, that's what it was like for us. And so I started to realize that like, that like changed my view on how we were spending. Like when it was like, Hey, I'm going to get my nails done. It wasn't always like me crunching the numbers. Like, okay, like we've like, we're good. That's fine. And then it was good for her to hear. So when I came home, like, Hey, guess what? I just bought this. She's like, Oh, it's fine. You know, like, so when budgeted in, cause I just viewed it as like, I buy way less things than you, you know, it was like, I guess deep down in my brain versus actual quantity. Cause money at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the, the thing that could have probably destroyed us, but it didn't. It's number one killer of marriages. Yeah. Money fights. Yeah, yep. No doubt. And we never really did fight honestly yeah. about it. She yeah. always, it was really cool. She always trusted me. So who's the nerd and who's the free spirit when it comes to finances in y'all's relationship? So Katie and I are a nightmare couple because we're both like kind of both it just depends on the season. So okay. she just recently took over paying bills. Okay. So we still will go, we have a spreadsheet, Good. go through it. But she actually makes like a phone call or, or does that stuff, which is a huge help off me. Um, but we really don't have a, like, we don't fight over budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while we're like, hey, we kind of let this go too long. Like, let's cut cable or let's do this. Yeah. But she's super easy. Like okay. every time she's like, That's do great. you think this is the right move? And I feel the weight, obviously, of making the right move now because mm-hmm. she trusts me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, really, like yeah. honestly, just so, what so at it, some point it means our future is going to be a nightmare, but no. So what Amy and I do is we've got the spreadsheet and, and when we got married, the spreadsheet had, I don't know, Logan, probably like 150 general ledger accounts in the spreadsheet, <laughs> me. Right. And I think where it got really challenging was we've been married like three weeks, I think. So back from the honeymoon, all is good. And with the best of intentions, I said, hey, Amy, would you mind, like, every time you buy something, starting to keep the receipt and bring it home? And we'll, you know, kind of plan our budget. And um, I was told no. <laughs> so I was told no. And and so. It's a good try. Yeah, nice try. And, and not, I mean, but 
not in a controlling kind of way. I'm a planner, right? Yeah. And so just trying to plan where we're going. Uh, so we're down from like uh, 150 to probably like 40 accounts now. We don't budget for haircuts anymore. Okay. So that's good. It, it's okay. part of, it's just regular part of the household budget now. We yeah. don't have to budget for haircuts or. Oh, so you, you were know. getting down to like. Yeah, man. Because like my hair can get a little shaggy every now and again. So I don't get a haircut every month. But oh, that's fair. It's consistent. Yeah, but but pre marriage, uh, if if my haircut's going to cost you know what it with say it's going to cost me twenty bucks, well I'm so I'm going to budget whatever it takes. You know, yeah, eight dollars and thirty three cents a month goes into the haircut fund, and then when I spend twenty bucks on the haircut, it comes out. Well, we don't go to that extreme anymore. Uh, so I've uh, I've been trained. I've lightened up in my in my ways in my uh, old age and in my desire to keep my marriage healthy <laughs> smart um but anyway what we do is we've got the big account that that's all of our you know that, that, that's where life goes is in yep. our account but every month uh we've got two other accounts that there's amy's blow money account and my blow money account and that's the protection from you spent money on what yeah and that's our rule is if it comes out of the other person's blow account there's no questioning That's what the money was spent on. That's great. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we I, just avoided that conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just said, eh, forget it. And yeah. yeah. Now that I like taking on like operations in a business, it's interesting now. Like how much more I want to take it back into my home. Okay. And look at things like in it from a line. I'm like, what value does this bring us? Mm-hmm. You know, like in the past for me is just like, I don't know. We could just save a lot of money in the year, enjoy the convenience of daily life, and just not take some vacations. But now, like, I'm learning like might be better just to save to go on some vacations because of what she enjoys. And so like trying to look and say, yeah. okay, what brings us joy? What we want to do? And now I got to put together, I guess a college fund or something for a child. Yeah. I don't want to uh, budget for that yet. But you know, I don't know what college is going to be like 18 years. Yeah. From so now. What, do you, what do you think? Here's the deal, Logan. It, it can't keep increasing at the price that it's in, at the rate it's increasing right now. Yep. Right. It's, it's impossible for that to continue. It, it can't happen. Right. Um, I'm I'm an I'm a, I'm an anti-student loan guy in the first place. Okay, so I'm real big on uh, if you and it kind of gets questionable if you want to go be a if you want to be a doctor if you want to be an attorney for sure. Um, maybe there's some value to to investing if you will uh, in student loans. I can't believe I just called a loan an investment, but I guess in that scenario it would be maybe in that scenario. But but to go to go get a finance degree, right? First of all, you can go get your finance degree at MSU, and you can go get your finance degree at whatever private school. Uh, go Indians, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but don't go into debt for it, man. Don't just, just don't. You know, go go work, right? Go work forty hours a week while you're in college. And oh, I don't have a social life. Well, I'm sorry, that, that's card you're dealt. Yeah. Uh, but go pay for your college. Don't don't set yourself behind. But I don't know, Logan. That the world is going to continue. It, it, if college is going to continue um, increasing in price the way it is for the value that you get, and yeah. I love my college degree, right? Uh, and I learned a lot in college, and I use those skills that I learned. But I think that the business community has to change its expectations of people if college continues to increase at the price it's increasing. Because yep. at Bully Featherston, okay. We're we're not going to 
hire somebody and say, oh, man, you invested that in your degree? Here's 90 grand to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That doesn't work, and that's what they're going to expect no. because they've got, you know, 200 grand in college debt. Yep. And so one of it, something's got to give, right? And and so it's either colleges change the way they do business or businesses change the way they what they expect of yep, the people sure. they hire. Yep. Has to happen. I have to catch myself because I'm almost like anti-college. Okay. And I don't think that's healthy. Completely. Um, like you said, doctors. I love trade school. Uh, I, no doubt. Huge fan of that. I don't have a college degree, and everyone told me I was going to regret it, and to this date, I don't regret it. Steve I, Burleson, head owner of Bully Featherson, he claims that he quit school at MSU when they took the pool tables out of the student center. <laughs> so Steve does not have a college degree. I have a complete amount of respect for that. That's a good reason to quit, too. <laughs> no doubt, man. I would have quit for lesser than that, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, I went to quit. And again, my route's different than everybody else's. You know, I had, I didn't know I was gonna have an opportunity, but I ended up cleaning toilets and working my way into a company. Um, but I, I just, we just hired a guy. I played soccer at MSU, and he's he's going to college right now. But um, he's he's the person I'm looking for. Like he's hungry. He just wants to learn. He's like, I'll work for free to get the experience. Wow. Uh, to learn, and he's not working for free anymore. Yeah. But he did for a while. He had an internship with us, and he didn't need one. He's just like, I want to learn. And so I think that if you took that same amount of money of debt, took a quarter of it, and then worked for free for a year or so in a company, I think it would be way more. I would rather have a 19- or 20-year-old with some experience than a 23-year-old who just went through school. And not all of them. We have Most of the people here have degrees um, that still don't know what they want to do. Yeah, so they're like, well, I don't have any experience. I've never worked in a, in a real business, and especially in marketing. No, no shade at any of the colleges. But they are not teaching real-world marketing. So our oldest kid started kindergarten this year. Congratulations. Loves it. He's killing it, man. He, he just can't wait to go to school every day. As this year approached, Amy and I talked a lot about we love Burke Burnett schools, and we're confident that he will do great in public school. But do we want to do private school? And I think mm. there's a lot of great things that happen in both places. Yep. Okay. In the end, uh, one of our deciding factors, so we had we had several de- deciding factors. Amy went to private school uh, all, all the way through, kindergarten through 12th grade. I went to public school all the way through. And we wouldn't shame either of those routes. Yeah, of course. We, we really wouldn't. There's, there's benefits and hindrances to both, okay? But what we decided was the money we would invest – in sending our kids to private, primary, and secondary school over that 13-year period, okay? What if instead we continued to invest in our kids' lives just the same way we would otherwise, either way, and we took those funds and we invested those funds, and then one day uh, we could buy our kid a house, yeah. So they never had they ne- they never have to experience a mortgage, or we have a kid with this great entrepreneurial spirit, and we said, "All right, let's get you set up in business, and you can go kill it." We just think that that's a better use. Yeah, I agree. Of those funds. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. And I, and I don't I, again I don't knock if if you want to do private school for your kids, go do it, man. Of course. Go do it if that's what works for your family. Go do it. Yeah. But for us, we we don't see the need in it. Yeah, I have to be real careful because I get I get on extremes, you know. 
It's like it worked for me. It should work for everybody. And, and I don't think that's fair. And a lot of people have worked their butt off to put themselves through school. Mm-hmm. About, and, like, and I think one of the coolest things about a degree is you showed you can do something. You've accomplished something that's difficult. It's the biggest thing it shows. And I respect that a ton. So that's never been a, a problem. But I'd always give them a hard time when they would come out. Like, like what do you think that degree was going to get you? You're still getting $10 an hour. Like, you've got to still prove value here. Um, that piece of paper does not mean that your salary is going to triple. No. Sorry. No. Especially in, in 90% of industries. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sure, like yeah. you said, when you're a doctor, no you've gone through residency, you've been mm-hmm. killed for years. Like, you probably deserve a pay. And I want doctors to be as high paid as possible. I want that sure. guy to be so confident when he walks into surgery. Uh, pilots and people doing surgery, like overpay them. I need that guy to be rested, underworked, Den- and overpaid. too, please, because, I mean, oh, it, for sure. don't put the pain in my mouth. Take care of no. me well. Be rested. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to be careful because I think that higher education is important. And it's funny because I value it a ton, whether it be podcasts or audio books because I don't read, um, which I do. Anything that I can learn from, even people just sitting down, I value education more than I ever have in my life. Um, I just don't. I don't know. There's I think that can of be done ways to be educated. Yeah, and I, again, trade ways. schools are. I think I wish they would expand to more industries, um, because I think getting a marketing degree doesn't uh, translate. As a society, we have recognized the error of you know fifteen to twenty years ago when we started saying everybody has to go to college, yeah. and we started killing the technical programs in high schools. And they're, they, they, we've realized it now, and, and so they're all, all those programs are coming back. But, hey, college isn't for everybody, right? And if you can graduate high school and go learn a skill and go make a, you know, a good wage, yep. go do it. Yep. Go do it, man. I was terrible at college math. Um, I think it's 50% motivation, but I, I think that I just I struggled with test-taking. And I still don't know if that was an excuse or not, but I think, it, I, think I was bad at test-taking. Do you believe some colleges use certain – early on, you know, first, second year undergrad courses to try to weed people out of college. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I hated it. I didn't like any of it. Um, Undermotivated, you know. If I got lower than a B, I had to pay for the class. Because I was, again, lucky. That was the family rule? Yeah. My dad was helping me out, so I ended up paying for a lot of classes. Um, (laughs) But... I don't know. I, just, I wasn't highly motivated in it. And college told me that I could not do business because um, of how I handled math. Like you could never run a business. And then as I got into this, I realized like I got some, I got some people that I know that were great in college math and understand no real world math, like none that could not problem solve through it. And I could, um, and I think that was just kind of the luck of the draw for me. But you know what, Logan, we talk about this at Bully Featherston, do what you do the best and outsource the rest. Yep. If you can be a, if, if you can be the world's greatest marketer with incredible foresight as to what your client should do, go do it. Build your empire, man. Yep. Hire a CFO. Yep. Just hire a CFO. Yep. I mean that's and that's what we've yeah. that's what we've been lucky to have. I mean we we I mean Jared and I. That's the reason we work together. We are opposite world. Okay. I mean he can create y'all are, content. Y'all are buddies from forever. Kindergarten. No way. Yeah, played on sports teams forever. Played baseball together our whole life until high school. Played basketball. I mean, always lived in the same neighborhood. I think both sets of our parents at one point or another thought we were dating. You know, like <laughs> always together. Um, and then I, he came on as an intern and just worked with me as an intern. I was just trying yeah. to get him college hours. And yeah. then I realized something like it clicked. I was like, oh, no, like I can sell. I can put together strategy. Well, she's got great strategy. skills. 
Do what? He's got backroom skills. Yeah. He's so smart. Uh, Sammy calls him word man. He calls him word. He's, he's a great writer. Okay. He understands human behavior. Great content guy. Yeah. And he always says he's an introvert and he does, he can't communicate well. He's a great communicator with people. Um, but he doesn't love it. It sucks the life out of him. And I enjoy that side. I don't want to have to write content. So I just hand him stuff or vice versa. And it works. Cause I know what I'm, what I'm, I'm not like the one thing that I'm terrible at is grammar and proofing. Okay. So like we used to go around and hand people folders and they'd proof stuff. And Craig was like, Logan is not allowed to even look at this stuff. It's a waste of time. Yeah. He's literally an idiot and he can't read. So, <laughs> and I, and that was true. Like I, he never said that, but that's true. I'm not good at that stuff. Um, but yeah, just learning the game. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Great story. Something I'm going to teach you right now. Right? I'm excited. You have, I am certain you don't know this. You're a baseball guy. Yep. Okay. You know, you've heard of Connie Mack before our time, right? No. Uh, you don't know who Connie Mack is? Hmm. Con- I was going to lie and say yes, but I Philadelphia I Athletics, Baseball Hall of Famer. Okay. I don't know. I'll look it up. This story is just lost all of its grandeur. Oh, no, I know who it is. Because it started with Connie Mack. I know who it is. So you know who Connie Mack is? I know who Connie okay, Mack is. Okay, great. Yeah, Connie Mack. Sure. Okay, great. Okay. So Connie Mack uh, was Connie Mack Sr. Okay. Okay. Connie Mack the fourth is a U.S. representative from Florida. Okay. Okay. So his great grandfather is Connie Mack, baseball legend. You're a baseball guy, so you got. I mean, I don't know if you're as big a baseball guy as I thought you were, but you're talking about Connie Mack. Yeah, Connie Mack. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah Connie sure. Mack. Okay. And that is so. That's great grandfather, obviously on his dad's side because he's Connie Mack the fourth. Okay. The other great grand because you got two great grandfathers on your dad's side. You got four great grandfathers. The other great-grandfather on his dad's side was Morris Shepard, the namesake for Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls. When Morris Shepard was a senator in D.C., he became known as the father of prohibition. And and so he was one of the big guys in introducing legislation uh, for prohibition of alcohol in the United States. It was one of Morris Shepard's big deals. He was one of the fathers of prohibition. Here's the catch. It was later discovered on one of Morris Shepard's ranches in Texas. They found two large stills that were producing 130 gallons of moonshine a day. Morris Shepard, namesake for Shepard Air Force Base. How about 130. that? 130 gallons of moonshine a day uh, by the father of Prohibition. Making money. Making money. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a cool story. That's the craziest story ever. <laughs> I'm going to have to like re-listen this so I can tell it. Yeah. That's yeah. genius. Or just look it up. I'm sure it's on Wikipedia too. That's wild. Yeah. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah. I'm like I, processing through like how this all works. The connections and, and yeah. yeah. Cothers, cousins, wild. uncles, mothers, aunt, you know, all those kind of things. But, but yeah, the father of prohibition was moonshining on his ranch. And... Our Air Force Base. Air power starts here, by the way. I, I, I love Shepard Air Force Base. If you're not into doing things at Shepard involved in how amazing it is that we get the best pilots uh, literally in the world uh, are all trained uh, at Shepard Air Force Base from Man, we, 13 nations across the world. I've met some of the coolest people. Yeah. It's a bummer. Not a bummer, but that, sometimes when they'll walk into church or whatever and you'll see them, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's And then it's always a bummer because it's like you get to know them. 
And you're like, they're gone. Just like want to hang out with them. Like, oh, I'm leaving in three weeks. You're like, okay, cool. Okay. That's their life. They get used to it. I know. They're used to I'm not. No. I'm like, dude, we just started hanging out. Yeah, we, yeah we're, we're buddies. Yeah, you're leaving? Yeah. But yeah, some of the coolest people on earth. We have to wrap this thing up pretty quick. Yeah. But I, this is, I've been excited about this. What's your one word of wisdom for people listening? Just like anything. One word of wisdom. Yeah. If you could just tell people like something that's either on your heart today or something you've learned. Like what do people listen to? Need oh, to man, that's great. So I've got a personal mission statement for my life. Okay. And I think that'd be my word of wisdom. Is My mission statement is to legal, leave a legacy of adding value to the places I go, the things I do, the areas in which I serve, the people, did I say people I encounter yet? I don't think I did. The people I encounter and the work that I do. Those mm. five things, okay? So I think it would like be that. add value. That, that, that'd be my word of wisdom. Whatever you do, I mean, go add value in it. Go add value. Make it better than it was when you got there. That's good. That's my story. I like it. Yeah. Thanks for your time today. Hey, this was fun. Let's do it again. Yeah. Once we rebuild the set, okay, and get everything going, video, okay. Let's uh, let's sit down. Maybe we can get Cameron in here. And we, yeah, can just, we can just we can just quiz him. We'd on probably stuff. bicker if we did that. Yeah, which is great. I'll just we'll just turn on the stuff, and Jared and I'll just walk out. Yeah. That's another thing. Our new set's gonna have multiple mics. No way. More than two. Yeah, we're gonna go to four. Okay. So we can kind of sit down, and hang out. So you can get some like one of the things that I think is really cool is it when I listen to a podcast or or a radio show or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Because, like you said, Jared, I, I've noticed this, and, and I listened to your introvert, extra, extrovert episode, because I've listened to all of them, by the way, and everybody should. Appreciate uh, But uh, I, I love the, the podcast where you've got the, 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 the interviewer, right? And so that's in your seat, and you've got the person you're talking to. But then you get these dynamite drop-ins from the producer. I know. And... I'm telling you, Jared. Jared has that has that in him. I know where he'll just be sitting. You've got this conversation going on, and Jared's the kind of guy that something's going to pop in his mind, and he's going to push the button and talk and drop a world changing comment. I know that's what he is. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll be like talking, and I'll just be like staring at him, like you're not listening to me. And I know that he's got something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always when Jared speaks is usually wise. I believe that it's usually he's a he's because he speaks less. I speak a lot more, so I have to filter through to find anything good. But Jared, it's just like yeah, it's all good. But I would never say that to his face <laughs> ever. I'll fight him before I do that. We've been trying to set up a fight for a long time. Have you a pay per view fight? Yeah, between Jared and I. Yeah, people. Yeah. I think people. Would, I think at least twelve to fifteen people would pay to see that. What network's going to hold it? YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Okay, good. Yeah. That's the only thing that would pick yeah. us up. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll figure it out. Maybe, we'll do it again. Then. Maybe you can get the YouTube people to come film it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we're all just in a, to save money. I'll just get Katie to do it in the backyard. That's a one. That's a one quick way to ruin a friendship. That's not an original joke, by the way. I, that was on a TV show years ago, and it just stuck with me. Hey, call those people from YouTube. Get them to come out and film some show for us. The greatest show ever, The Office. Okay, I was hoping you were going to say that. Which yeah. side note before we sign off? I saw an article, and I, I hope this wasn't clickbait because I just saw it real quick. That Steve Carell said that The Office reboot would never happen. Because the the comedy and the humor would not survive in today's time. I think I'd believe that. He's like, it, we would be in so much wouldn't trouble work. every week. Every week we'd be in trouble. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like, we wouldn't do it. I believe it. He said he said that uh, that he'd be in trouble all the times. So he wouldn't do it. Yeah. 
Which is such a bummer. Oh, that show it was, was the so best. Good. It was the best humor. Yeah. And I don't look back and think there was a lot of offensive stuff. Maybe there was. I don't. I don't think I'm so. I'm just very. I'm very. It's very hard to offend me. So. Great show. Great show. Good podcast. I hope. This has been awesome. I mean, I hope it was worth your hour or however long we've been talking. I'm not. Yeah, an hour. Hour. We made an hour. It was great. Yes. We'll see you again. Awesome. Thanks, man. We'll see you. And we're out.